DiscerningHearts.com and the Seeking Truth Catholic Bible Study presents Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran. Sharon Doran, along with her husband Steve, are founders of the Seeking Truth Catholic Bible Study, whose mission is to actively seek truth and raise up disciples for our Lord Jesus Christ through an in-depth Catholic Bible study. Sharon, who holds two master's degrees in education and in pastoral theology with an emphasis in sacred scripture, is an experienced Bible study teacher for over a decade. She has a passion for scripture that motivates and challenges her students to immerse themselves in God's word and apply his message to their everyday lives. We now begin the Seeking Truth Catholic Bible Study with Sharon Doran. Hello again, everyone in Discerning Hearts Land. I am just so very happy to be with you here today as we discuss the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in our study of the Synoptic Gospels, we are looking at St. Matthew, St. Mark, and St. Luke, and the way they see together. And so that's what the word synoptic means, to see together. Now, last time we looked at St. Luke's infancy narratives, and this week we're going to turn to St. Matthew and his recording of the life of the infant Jesus. So Luke had a Marian perspective. As a non-Jew Assyrian from Antioch, St. Luke has a real universal approach to his gospel writing because he knows well that salvation is for all. He's not a Jew. And he's a physician. And St. Luke is especially interested in Mary's perspective. After all, as a physician, a virgin birth is, is highly irregular. It usually does not happen. But Luke himself, full of the Holy Spirit, knows that this is definitely the case with the mother of our Lord, she will experience a virgin birth. And she too was full of the Holy Spirit. And she gives her full consent to be overshadowed by the Holy Spirit and to conceive the eternal life into her own virginal womb and to bear the everlasting word of God to the entire world for all time. So St. Matthew is a Jewish male, and he comes at things from a Jewish male's perspective. So he, it would be natural for him to look at St. Joseph. And how is it going to be for St. Joseph to actually be a Jewish father and actually to be the father to the Son of God? So I'm really thankful for Matthew's Jewish perspective. I am thankful for both of these saints, Matthew and Luke, and their gospel writings that they recorded because they came at it from different perspectives so that we, uh, 2,000 years later, we can piece together the pieces and have a greater understanding of the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Blessed Pope John Paul II called Matthew's Gospel the Catechist Gospel because it's just so packed with information, as you will soon discover as we open it up here together. So please listen now. Just let the Holy Spirit guide you into all truth as you listen to this next lecture of Seeking Truth Catholic Bible Study on the Synoptic Gospels, Part 2. Zachariah is standing at the turning point of world history. His son is going to announce redemption. His prayer has been heard. He will have a son. He will prepare the way for Messiah, the anointed one. But now, Zachariah, now you're going to be speechless. And uh, because you didn't believe my words, he mutes him 
and he's unable to speak. It's not all bad because when he comes out of the temple, you can imagine the people. Something so exciting and so great is happening. He wants to tell him all, but he can't talk. He goes on a nine-month silent retreat. <laughs> it was Ignatian, Father. And when his days of ministry were completed, he went home. And he tells Elizabeth, probably by writing everything down for her, you can imagine his journal. And uh, so they have five months in seclusion to digest this news, thinking through all the fulfillments in Scripture, I'm sure. And then in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a town of Galilee called Nazareth. And the same angel, Gabriel, six months later, to a virgin betrothed to a man named Joseph from the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming to her, he said, Hail, favored one, the Lord is with you. Now Mary and Joseph are betrothed at this time, and betrothal in this ancient culture is binding and legal. It is a contract. They are betrothed. That's binding and legal. They have not come together yet. He will prepare a place for her, maybe a room on his father's house, an insula like in John 14, and then he will come back and get her, and they are betrothed to in marriage. It's a legal binding contract. Joseph is from the house of David. That's important. And he's also from the tribe of Judah. That's important because in our last chapter of Genesis, not quite one from the end, Genesis 49, verse 10, Jacob's final blessing. He said to the house of Judah, the scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until it comes to whom it belongs and the obedience of the nation is his. Messiah has to come from the house of Judah and from the throne of David. And coming to her, he said, Hail, favored one, the Lord is with you. Can you imagine this 13, 14-year-old Jewish girl? A better translation is, Hail, Mary, full of grace, instead of highly favored. Some translations say, full of grace, the Lord is with you. And the verb in the Greek is karakotomene, and it means it's a perfect passive participle. And it means that the action of the grace happened in the past, but it is for the present and the future as well. So she's full of grace. She always has been full of grace since the moment of conception, and she will continue to be full of grace. This is huge. Gabriel's really saying, Mary, you are full of grace, and you have always been full of grace. And the church on the feast day of December 8th, the Immaculate Conception, uses the Ephesian reading because it has the same verb tense, karakatomene, full of grace. But she was greatly troubled at what was said, and she pondered what this might mean. And the angel said, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. The Lord is with you. Now, some other characters from last year in Genesis, the very first one that was full of grace was Noah. He found favor with the Lord. And the King James Version says, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Also, Abraham found favor with the Lord when the Trinity visited him, the three angels at his tent. He said, my Lord, if I have now found favor in your sight, do not pass on by your servant. And he bowed down. The angel has come and said, Mary, do not be afraid. Anytime you hear that in scripture, do not be afraid. <gasps> you better be afraid. <laughs> because every good Jew would have known that many times through salvation history, when an angel is sent to be do not be afraid, it's because a big battle's going to ensue. Something's going to be asked of you. Like Joshua. 
when he's leading them into the promised land and they're way outnumbered and the Lord says, Joshua, do not be afraid. Be strong and courageous. The Lord your God will be with you. <gasps> and Gideon, don't be afraid of all the Midianites that you have to come up against. Do not be afraid. The Lord will be with you. And Moses, you're going to go against Pharaoh and Egypt and the greatest army in all the land, but do not be afraid. The Lord will be with you. And, and Jeremiah, do not be afraid. I'm with you, and I will rescue you, declares the Lord. So this is battle talk. Do not be afraid. The Lord's going to be with you means there's a battle that's going to ensue. And it's told to Mary, do not be afraid. The Lord will be with you. But she's going to have a big part in this head-crushing thing. This is a battle. The offspring of woman from Genesis 3.15 is going to crush Satan's head. Game on right? Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus. God saves, and he will be great, and he will be called the son of the most high, the most high God. And the Lord God himself will give him the throne of his father, David. It's going to be an eternal kingdom from the house of Jacob, one that lives forever. Wow! Mary, knowing scripture, would have immediately thought, of 2 Samuel 7, because that's the exact same prediction that was given David. Kingdom, an eternal kingdom is going to come from your own body. It's going to be an eternal kingdom. Mary knows something big is happening. But Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I have no relations with a man? This is way different than Zachariah's question. <sighs> and I, I, I didn't mean that that way, but what I meant is that Mary is intentional about her virginity. John Paul II says she had the intention of remaining a virgin forever. And we say, well, how, does, how do you know that? Because she knew the Shema prayer. Love the Lord God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. And Mary, full of grace from the moment of conception on, had given her all to the Lord. Everything was his. She has no plan of ever being with a man. She is all for God, all for the Lord, all for her bridegroom, the Lord. Joachim and Anne, her parents, had an immaculate conception graced by God to keep this vessel holy and pure because she's going to contain the living God within her body. Hail Mary, full of grace. Karakatomene, before, during, after. You're full of grace always. God has chosen her a special vessel before the beginning of time for this destiny, for this call. The Lord has set her apart solely for this purpose, solely for himself, and she joyfully surrenders and says, yes, 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 with joy like a lover. Like the Song of Songs, he is her bridegroom. She has given him her all. So how can this be? I'm a virgin, and I'm all for you, Lord. And the angel said to her in reply, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child will be born. He will be called Holy and Son of God to be overshadowed by the Holy Spirit. The Greek word is episkeo, to be overshadowed. Listen to this. Remember the ark they carried around everywhere. In Exodus 40, the cloud that's the overshadowing of the Holy Spirit, covered the tabernacle of the meeting. This is where God would meet Moses. God would meet man. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. God's glory cloud overshadows and fills the tent of the meeting where God is going to meet humanity. Same thing here. Mary is the new tent of the meeting. God's glory cloud, the oh, the Holy Spirit is going to overshadow her and fill her. 
This will be the meeting place of God and man incarnate in her womb. She's the new tabernacle. She's the new covenant. And Moses was not able to enter the tabernacle of meeting because the cloud rested above it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Chaste St. Joseph was not able to enter the tabernacle of the meeting. Do you get it? Because the cloud rested over her and the glory of the Lord filled her. She is the new tabernacle, and the Lord remained with her. The Holy Spirit was in her being. She was full of the Holy Spirit. She was full of God. So Joseph's not going to enter that, and God's going to give him the grace to do that. And the Pope, Paul IX, in 1870, declared St. Joseph to be the protector and defender of the Catholic Church. Mary is the mother. Joseph is protector and defender and the most chaste spouse. Mary says, I do not know man. And Pope John Paul said, in the Greek language, this present text verb has a permanence or a continuity. She has no plans to know man. She is set apart solely for the Lord. And behold, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month for her who was barren. Nothing, nothing, nothing will be impossible with God. It's one of my favorite lines in all scripture. If you are in a desperate situation with a kid, a spouse, a situation in your life, nothing is impossible for God. Nothing. Mary said, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. Be it done unto me according to your word. And then the angel departed from her. And then there's a visitation. God has visited his people. God is within her body. During those days, Mary set out and traveled to the hill country. In haste, she hurried to a town in Judah where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the infant leaped in her womb. And Mary, filled with the Holy Spirit, cried out in a loud voice, Most blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. She knows by the power of the Holy Spirit. Mary is the only blessed woman in the New Testament. And there are two blessed women in the Old Testament. One is Jael. Jael, if you remember, helps redeem Israel because she woos Sisera, the Assyrian commander, into her tent and gives him warm milk and lets him take a nap. You'll be safe here. And the minute he's asleep, she drives a peg through his skull and crushes his head and kills him. And Israel is saved. Blessed be Jael. Blessed be Jael. The other blessed woman is Judith. In Judith chapter 13, same thing. Israel is at risk. The whole thing could be lost if it wasn't for Judith. She takes a sword. She woos Holfernes into her tent, feeds him some nice curds and whey and a little, uh, little drink. And when he sleeps, she slices off his head. Blessed be Judith. Blessed be Judith. These women are blessed in the Old Testament because they are head crushers. <laughs> Do you get it? I didn't make this up. This is the continuity 
of the Old and New Testament. We just have to have eyes to see and ears to hear. Mary is a head crusher. She cooperates with God's plan. She bears the offspring who will crush the head of Satan. She is the true mother of all the living. She is the new Eve. And how does this happen? That the mother of my Lord, Elizabeth knows this is a king. He's my Lord. She bows down. The mother of my Lord should come to me. From the moment the sound reached my ears, the infant leaped. Blessed are you who believed. Mary had faith. Mary believed what was spoken to her by the Lord would be fulfilled. Mary is the new Ark of the Covenant. Mary goes with haste to the hill country. It's the same hill country that David went with the Ark on the way to Jerusalem. David leapt before the Ark. Same verb, Luke knows it. He danced with all his might before the ark of the Lord because inside the ark was the presence of God. In the same hill country, when they meet, John the Baptist leaps in his womb because he's before the presence of the Lord in Mary's stomach. He's, she's the new ark. And the presence of God is within her womb and John leaps in his mother's stomach. This old ark is not to be touched. It housed the true presence of God. When David was going, one of his men accidentally tripped and accidentally touched the ark, Uzzah, and he was struck dead because he touched the ark. You don't touch the ark. <laughs> the new ark, Mary, is not to be touched. She housed the true presence of God. St. Joseph will not touch the new ark, Mary. God will give him the grace and the virtue to live out the chastity in their marriage. David was afraid of the Lord after this happened to Yuza, and he said, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? Same exact words Elizabeth said. How is it in that same location, how is it that the mother of my Lord could come to me, the mother of the ark? That old ark in David's day stayed in those foothills for exactly three months, and the Lord blessed the household where it stayed. Guess how long Mary stayed with Elizabeth? Three months at the exact location, and the Lord blessed them all. Mary is the new Eve. Mary is the new Ark. Mary is the blessed head crusher, and Mary is the queen mother. She is a counselor, an advocate, and an intercessor for us. Mary is not to be ignored. Mary was the first disciple and a model disciple, a perfect disciple, a faithful disciple. And like her, we, may we bear Jesus to the world with joy. All generations will call me blessed, for the Lord has done great things, and holy is his name. How beautiful it was to remember St. Joseph in this lecture. St. Joseph, the defender and the protector of the Holy Family. St. Joseph, the most chaste spouse of Mary. Let's close our study today with a prayer dedicated to the intercession of St. Joseph for the Church on Earth. Prayer for the Church Militant O glorious St. Joseph, you were chosen by God to be the foster father of Jesus, the most pure spouse of Mary, ever virgin, at the head of the Holy Family. You have been chosen by Christ's vicar as the heavenly patron and protector of the Church founded by Christ. Therefore, it is with great confidence that we implore your powerful assistance for the whole Church on Earth. Protect in a special manner with true fatherly love, Pope Francis and all bishops and priests in communion with the See of Peter. 
Be the protector of all who labor for souls amid the trials and tribulations of this life, and grant that all peoples of the world may follow Christ and the church he founded. In Christ's precious name we pray. Amen. We also alluded today to the prayer of King David when he fell into sin with Bathsheba, who he saw bathing on the rooftop. Now, David was a man after the Lord's own heart, but as we humanly know, whom among us has not fallen into sin? Our Lord came to save us. And so this is a great psalm to read um, as a form of prayer. Uh, As David, when we respond with a contrite heart, the Lord can forgive us. So let's listen now to Psalm 51, a prayer for cleansing and pardon, written by King David. Psalm 51, a prayer for cleansing and pardon. A psalm of David, when the prophet Nathan came to him after he had sinned with Bathsheba. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you alone, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are justified in your sentence and blameless when you pass judgment. Indeed, I was born guilty, a sinner when my mother conceived me. You desire truth in the inward being. Therefore, teach me wisdom in my secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and sustain in me a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from bloodshed, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your deliverance. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. For you have no delight in sacrifice. If I were to give you a burnt offering, you would not be pleased. The sacrifice acceptable to God is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Do good to Zion in your good pleasure. Rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in right sacrifices, in burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. And so, friends, that completes this lecture on the birth of Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for joining us today. It was wonderful to be with you. Um, Always seek truth. Remember that truth has a name. His name is Jesus, and He's seeking for you. So when we seek for Him, He seeks for us, and we get to know Him. And it's powerful. When we respond to truth, we respond to Jesus. Seek truth. Until next time.
You've been listening to Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran. To hear and or to download this episode, along with many others, go to discerninghearts.com. To learn how you can become a participant, either online or in a classroom setting of the Seeking Truth Catholic Bible Study, go to seekingtruth.net. This has been a production of discerninghearts.com and the Seeking Truth Catholic Bible Study. Join us next time for Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran.